0: This is the Friendship News Hour, presented to you by Barnard Media. Today is April the 12th, 2023. My name is Frank. His name is Alex. You look... Sexy. Like a middle-aged divorced man. <laughs> 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 is there something he want to tell us?
1: Yeah, I'm moving out of a hotel room, Frank. Sarah kicked me out. It's dark times. Yikes. Dark times. No, Yikes. I am on the road today in beautiful Anaheim, California, for the trade show Nam. Uh, out here for the week for work. And living out of a hotel room, it's fun. Welcome to your first hotel recording. <laughs> yeah, for real. It actually is. Nah. It actually is. This is, this is. you do this on the regular. You're a veteran.
0: On the reg, uh, I think we posted a question to our Facebook viewers. Do calories count if you eat them in the airport? <laughs> it's an interesting question. Do you go hog wild in the airport?
1: Um, well, so I always have like an allotment. I think I have like up to 30 bucks to use like for meals at, at when I'm traveling usually just in general I have like a thirty dollar head kind of a thing but it's like your per diem yeah per diem that's the word um but I I I mean so yesterday when I was traveling left out at like I got to the airport at like 6 7 o'clock I went to the Wolfgang puck Express because you got to it's classy got myself a nice breakfast sandwich um and that with a coffee came up to like 30 bucks so I try to treat myself a little Jeez. bit it's not like a McDonald's kind of a thing
0: but yeah I've always um I've always been like enamored with the attitude of being in an airport. I don't know if it's the stress, or the fact that you're flying in a tube, thirty thousand feet over the air that could kill you at at any at any instant. (laughs) That um, you want to just drink alcohol. What is it about airports and alcohol? They just go together. It's like, for me, it's almost non-negotiable Really, during reasonable hours, right? Yeah. Like I'm not going to fly at 9am for a business trip and have a dirty martini, right? But if I'm flying on vacation and it's eight o'clock in the morning, I will consume any amount of alcohol before I get on the flight and without any hesitation whatsoever. But that's more to ease nerves, right? I think it's more because I'm an alcoholic. You're <laughs> <laughs> getting to the root of the problem here. This is good. I don't, I, don't, <laughs> I don't get nervous flying. No? Okay. Okay. No, I get nervous not drinking. Really? Yeah, see, I'm not- No, no, that's, no, <laughs> that's a joke. I, I'm not an alcoholic. I don't need it to drink alcohol. Um, but but you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. Just, I, if I'm in a bar or if I'm in an airport and I have 30 minutes to spare, I will have a shot of Jack Daniels. And I've never, I don't drink Jack Daniels and I, don't, oh, I wouldn't buy that so in any gross. other instance. <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm, maybe not Jack Daniels, I'm maybe some
1: Woodford. Or if, if I'm going- if like with the boys, you know, if I'm doing a dude's trip, bachelor party, whatever, fuck yeah. Let's let's do it. Let's start the party early. But like by myself, I I never really do, man. I don't know why, but I take edibles. So like I popped a 25 milligram or yesterday when I left just to kind of try to sleep on airplanes. But I, I can't. I can't sleep in public, Frank. It's something the way I'm wired or I don't know what it is, but like I just can't ever get comfortable enough on a bus, on a plane, whatever, to like let go. Planes are not comfy. Yeah. But no, I, dude, I have no anxiety. I always have this thing in my head, lifting off. Like, well, if I'm going to die, like as soon as you lift off, it's like oh, I'm pretty much high enough to die. Like, so at this point, you just got to let go and let God. You know,
0: you you've sure. already made the decision. Yeah, You're up there at, at, at your at your own peril. Um, we just started a show called Yellow Jackets. Never heard of. Oh my goodness. Oh yeah. Oh my goodness. I, I can't believe I have too. not heard of this show before. What, 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 um, what service is it through? It's a Showtime show, but if you're a Paramount subscriber, you can watch it. I'm fucked. Um, you might be.
1: <laughs> well, that's what you you're for, be. Frank. You got, yeah, there you got my logos.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it started out with you, by the way. I, I used your Netflix account for a solid six years without paying for anything. Good, good. Um, and now I've repaid you tenfold. It's true. Um, but yeah, man, this show was crazy, but it revolves around a plane crash. Mm. Um, and they show it so vividly. It's like, fuck, dude. Yeah.
1: Like Lost that's Style? It, like
0: it, it's like Stranger Things meets Lord of the Flies <laughs> meets... I don't know. Yeah, we'll leave it there. Okay. Uh, it's wild. Interesting. Dude. It's wild. Okay. Wild, wild, wild craziness. Um, But yeah, I had me thinking about that. Because next time I get on a plane, that's all I'll think of.
1: What makes me nervous, bro, is not the taking off because at that point, I've kind of let go. It's landing. I hate when it's terrible, bro, because I'm like, if something's gonna go wrong, I feel like it's on the landing, not the takeoff. Like, a gear will fuck up, or like, if dude, if one of those wheels or something go down, like, you're coming in so high, that's a crash instantly. Like, I I feel it Mm -hmm. doesn't happen, but that's always when I get nervous and tense up, is like, right as we're about to come down.
0: I feel like I hear more stories of planes, like, crash landing in an airport, like, you know, like, Going off of the, the runway, yeah. More than I hear about a plane down being downed like True. over the ocean or some shit like mm-hmm. that. Um, did you ever see the the uh, Malaysian Airlines Netflix documentary? And Rager was talking to me about it when he was on a few weeks. Ago. Uh, dude, watch it so we can talk about it. Oh, we, I, I mean, he kind of
1: filled me in on a lot of it. Like he he's convinced yeah. America is involved or at least knows what happened,
0: dude. At the at the very least, they know everything that happened. At the worst, they're responsible. Mm, that wouldn't surprise not, me. Not there. We're. We are. We,
1: us, Americans. Yes. W- what we know. What would we have wanted like were there people on board we just wanted to take out?
0: Mm. What, what's the conspiracy there? Like what, how would that benefit America? If you watch the documentary, the only the only thing that you can take away from whoever was on board and who had an interest in that was Russia. Okay. So you follow the breadcrumbs, and it kind of leads you very vaguely to russia okay so I, I I don't know I don't know if the Americans had an interest in anybody in that flight, but at the very end of the documentary, somebody's on there talking and they say they're like they're like saying like you have all of these countries that have like advanced military presences you have." Uh, the Americans who were flying two surveillance planes that night in the area. Um, and you're going to tell me nobody knows. Yeah, no way. No way. (laughs) There's no fucking way. So yeah, I think, I think America at the very, like I said, very least America is holding back a secret. Okay. Um, that's, we 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 like to do that, Frank. We do. We do. (laughs) We love to do that shit. Um, there are speaking of secrets. Did you hear about the, I feel like this is not getting a lot of coverage. The, the, the leak that happened over the weekend. No, I, I don't think so. No. What about Okay. Shit's okay. crazy. <laughs> so over the weekend, we find out that there were at least 50 documents that were marked either top secret or secret that were leaked and being circulated all around the internet. And they have to do with our involvement in Ukraine. So mm. they originate from within the U.S. military and intelligence agencies, and they include details about the strength of Ukraine forces, air defenses, military equipment, classified information about arms and support that the United States has provided to Ukraine. Um, they also have copies of like, like the daily intelligence reports, like the reports that the president fucking gets when he sits around with the chiefs of staff, joint chiefs of staff, right. gets. Yeah. So those were leaked. Um, there was, uh, Israel was implicated. South Korea was implicated. Um, and we don't know who did it. And it's just fucking wild. Like, how does that get leaked? And I, I don't, I guess I don't really care. I mean, like this is so above our head. Right. But, um, I think what, what really ha- like what, the complications with this, obviously, is that we have somebody inside of Ukraine, or excuse me, inside of Russia, that's feeding us this information, and then we're disseminating this information, giving it to Ukraine so they can fight this war. Hmm. So now, somebody's implicated within Russia at the highest ranks of of the of the Russian government, and now that person's probably outed. What, will if, probably what if what if it's killed.
1: Snowden trying to get back to America, so he's like reversing <laughs> reversing it, you know?
0: yeah good i hope i hope uh i hope he gets back
1: um dude we have to talk about everything going on over there though because it is we haven't really had a chance because we had ray on a couple weeks ago then we had the man mitch last week talking about all kinds of cool plant medicine but we have not really got to talk about bricks and all this like money stuff going on this new currency that they're
0: like i'm very very scared about all of this frank yeah you, and, you, and you and you might be right because it's it's the end of America's global dominance. Yeah. It's that what we what we what makes us such a big player. The reason we're a global superpower or the preeminent global superpowers because everybody uses our currency. The United States dollar is backed by the United States dollar, <laughs> and the fact that everybody uses. It. I had an economics professor when I was in my undergrad. It was like you could be dropped in the middle of the Amazon rainforest. And you could give somebody a dollar bill and they would say is good. That was his one joke is good (laughs) because the dollars accepted everywhere. And now it's being dropped like a freaking hot potato. It's ridiculous. Yeah.
1: And it's, it's not even just like China and Russia. Like I know those are the big bads, but like, brazil's getting involved there's a bunch of like pan-american countries like uh costa rica and and a bunch of countries around there that are involved now i think southern africa is involved uh like every time i look at the list keeps growing i heard even germany might be flirting with them about about doing this like that is a close ally of ours and that would pretty much destroy the european union from what i'm understanding
0: (sighs) Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, the reason it would destroy the European Union is because Britain's already out of it. Mm-hmm. And Britain and Germany were really like the only two major contributors everybody else was taking. Right. Germany and Great Britain were contributing. Great Britain's out. Germany leaves. Then, yeah, what does that leave you? Well, chaos is mm-hmm. what it leaves you. Um, You know, I, I'm hearing stories all the time and you never know what to believe because this, this comes from this side. This comes from that side. And you never know more and more there's stories coming out that peace was wanted by both Ukraine and Russia. And there was one entity that didn't make that happen. That was the United States. Mm -hmm. And you know, like, I don't know any, I'm not hearing anything. Nobody's reporting in any depth, or at least maybe I'm just not looking correctly, but what the fuck is our diplomacy? Like what are our relations like with our enemies? I don't think very but good. I, I heard they're... a bunch about it when when the previous administration was here. Yeah, and it's I mean, like it seemed to be okay. He fucking shook Kim Jong Un's hand. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that's don't you feel like that's where we need to be?
1: Yeah, I totally agree. But now we have China and Russia fostering like they're repairing the relationships in the Middle East that haven't been good for years and years and years and years. And now they're somehow lining up. It's like when I look at this man and I see. All these countries coming together forming their own currency the only thing i get to my head is those are the countries that want like if if we went to war would probably be allied most likely with with these guys and they'd have their own currency so they're not relying on the dollar we can't do anything to shut down anything that they'd want to do during wartime it, it's, it's it just looks
0: like they're independence. setting up kind of like a chess move if you will mm-hmm. so that they have leverage so that when they when they when China encir- encircles Taiwan and they do a whole bunch of uh, yeah. w- uh, war games, um, and they're and they're doing war exercises, literally in Taiwan in a sovereign nation, and they're saying, okay, what the fuck are you going to do about it? Because mm-hmm. where's your leverage now? Right. You can't do anything. So we're going to take what we want. If you want to use force against us, well then it's game on, and we're going to do everything we can to crush you. But there's nothing else that you can do other than to bring force because now we've taken away your only other high leverage position. And that is the currency that everybody else was using. And now they're not right. This was dude, this was forecasted. I know a lot of people don't fucking like to hear it. This was forecasted months and months and months ago. I heard it first on Tucker Carlson and he was like, this is the end of the U S dollar. You guys understand that the building blocks here are just going to go do, 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 do. And this is when we started, um, this is when we started putting heavy sanctions on Russia, because that was the only way that we could interfere with Russia is through sanctions. And the only reason we could do that is because the globe decided that a long, 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 long time ago, this is like World War II era, era that the the globe was going to use the US dollar as a global currency so that it could be ex- everybody can exchange with everybody and there's an exchange rate. And now all these countries are like, well, we've seen what they're doing with Russia and maybe we don't like what Russia's doing. But if they have that power with Russia, they have that power over all of us. And I don't like that. I don't like having that held over my head. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to do what's best for my people and I'm going to move the fuck away because it doesn't look like this, what's going on in America is very stable right now. All right. Yeah. So we did that with Russia, it worked for like 2 weeks. McDonald's and Starbucks left Russia. Good for you. Sorry, you can't have your frappuccino anymore. And then all of a sudden the the the, the ruby, ruble, whatever the fuck they use, mm-hmm. it was like at zero. They halted trading on it and then after a little while it just skyrocketed. And that's when people were like, "Oh, we are powerless against this. We have no we have no nothing nothing to do other than to to get involved covert uh, overtly." Overtly, covertly, indirectly with Ukraine. And now Yeah.
1: Now it's all shit. Concerning. And and so I, I saw Finland just join NATO. So now they have Russia lost more land, you know, or they have more awesome. land that butts up against NATO now. And it's
0: like Ukraine would be that last straw. In any situation, small or big, but take a small situation. Take a, a tift with your with your wife, right? You could sit there. And you could have, you could have the the truth on your side, and you can know without a shadow of a doubt, truth is on your side. Mm-hmm. And then you just shove that truth down your wife's throat, and you're like, "Fucking eat this truth, eat it, eat it, digest it, swallow it. You need this truth." We, and you're the like, truth like, "Fuck you." Her. No I'm listening. <laughs> I can't help what your imagination does with this, you sick bastard. <laughs> Just giving me good imagery here, Frank. Go ahead. And then, and then, what, what is your wife going to do? She's going to turn away? Fuck you, dude. I don't want yeah. anything you're you're trying to tell me right now. This is not, I don't I don't care what you have to say. I don't care that what you're saying is true. It doesn't matter. Your approach here is all wrong. I don't want to listen to anything you have to say. And now you guys are at odds because you're like, well, this woman, it's probably not the adjective you're using in the moment. This woman is not listening to the truth. What's wrong with her? And then she's like, this guy's an asshole. I don't care what he has to say, but he's a dick about it, right? Instead of going, asking your wife what the problem is, hearing her, understanding her, listening to her, and validating that she has some sort of issue with this, that, and the other, and that she has every right to feel this way about this, that, and the other. And then, and only then will she be receptive to the truth because then she feels understood. But we've heard
1: from Russia what their problem is is they don't want more NATO up on their borders. But like, that's not, that's not, I don't know. I don't want to say logical, but like at a point, like Russia's borders like start, you know, and like, obviously NATO is not going to be into Russia and all this other shit. So like, to me, the fact that they're so worried about that shows malintent, which is why I think like we would be worried or, or push back in that argument. But,
0: okay. But, but, when you're talking, okay. So, so take that example that I just that I just talked about, oh. and now scale that to geo global geopolitics. Okay. Yeah. You can't control somebody's intent. If somebody like Putin is going to act the way that they're going to act, you have no control over that. If they want to do it, they're going to do it, right? And there might be repercussions for that, but obviously that, that hasn't mattered to Russia. So you have two options: one, diplomacy. Right. Diplomacy is give and take. That's. I listen to you. You listen to me. I listen to you. You listen to me. Months of talks, months of negotiations. That's how. That's how uh, we we got uh, out of the Cold War through diplomacy. We opened the door and started talking, so that a nuclear holocaust did not did not occur. That's option one. Option two is power and leverage. And if you go down that route and you don't you don't navigate out of that. And you continue on that road, then the other par- the other party has no other option than to reciprocate with power and leverage of their own, and that is how you get to conflict. It's because people are th- th- there's no room for diplomacy. For whatever reason, we won't let down our guard. Russia obviously is so far entrenched in what they're doing that they're not going to let down their guard, and so it's a stalemate. And who's going to blink first? Well. I'm sorry, but if we if we really are going to be the global police and the defender of democracy across the globe and and that's what we're going to that that's that's the message that we're going to send and that's why we're so involved with Ukraine. Dip- diplomacy has to occur. Negotiations have to occur. Peace has to occur and and we have to get over this thing that like oh, well, you know, Putin this and their malintent this and that. listen, I don't you you can't be you can't be so like naive when you're talking about such such big things. You have to listen to these people and and what their concerns are and hear them at least. Do you think they, do you think
1: diplomacy was present under the previous administration and that's just not something that is as valued or like that they're even worried about at this point? Or, or, I mean, do you think like if Trump if Trump gets reelected in 2024, that like there is a band aid or some kind of diplomacy fix something to like ease these tensions or have we, are we starting to get to a point where we're too far?
0: Uh, that's a good question. I think if you talk to like a like a big MAGA Republican, they're going to tell you that, you know, Trump was the best negotiator we've ever had in the White House, this, that, and the other. Um, that's probably overplayed. But I think it's hard to overstate just how effective of a global communicator the Trump administration was. These, these uh, peace accords that were happening they are happening between China and and the Middle East right now were happening under trump. Um, the the Abrahamic Accords. It, they brought Israel and Saudi Arabia together. It hadn't happened in in multiple decades. Um, he was talking with Russia. was he was he getting anywhere? I don't know, but they were talking. They had an open line of communication. Same they were North talking Korea. Yeah. North Korea, Saudi Arabia. I mean, look, uh, you may not like the way that, that he went about his business, but you can't argue with the fact that people were willing to talk. And th- that is such an important key aspect of it. Whether it's too far gone, man, I don't know. Yeah. Who the hell's to say? Mm. I think the only thing that really that, that could be done is if the United States opened up the avenue for negotiations. But would that be, they, you guys can take
1: Ukraine? Like, isn't
0: no, that kind of like- Well, there would have to be concession, right? Yeah. But-, but it couldn't be the negotiation couldn't be the United States brokering piece. I mean, I guess it could, but it can't, I mean, it can't, it's obviously one-sided. Um, so it would have to be a third party. It'd have to be somebody that knows both sides. I think Emmanuel Macron was probably a solid candidate for that until, until they just, de- until they decided to invade Ukraine. Um, but, but yeah, just the posture, just shifting the posture saying, Hey, uh, We've been giving money to Ukraine in support of their efforts there. They have gained almost no ground. Um, We're spending billions and billions and billions of dollars over there. It's not working out. So we're going to shift our posture here. We think peace is the best option. And if America diverts to that route and begins negotiations and diplomacy opens up again in a big, big way, there's no telling what you can do. But it's certain that if you continue down the road that we're going down now, Conflict is inevitable. And it has to be understood. Conflict is inevitable. And it may not manifest itself in like a hot war, but it's going to manifest itself in some way. And uh, I saw a tweet today from Jesse Kelly because there was, a, there was a, another explosion in another manufacturing plant in America. Uh, this time, I think it was in Illinois. Uh, big, giant fire. I mean, the Hershey uh, chocolate factory blew up uh, a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if you saw that. No. You didn't see that the no. talk of in Hershey, Pennsylvania, dude, it was crazy. It was like a bomb went off in this factory it just complete just boom just blew up in the middle of downtown Hershey, Pennsylvania. Um, I think there I, I one- wouldn't
1: think that they would want us to get fatter
0: well right <laughs> right but but he made the point he goes I don't know if this is some sort of uh, sabotage um, from another country or if this is just complete ineptness from American leaders and manufacturers and everybody all the way down whatever it is it's not good and i agree that it's not good and so either you know either sabotage if you want to if you want to think about it that way or just we're just completely dissolving under our own infrastructure either way we, we're not fit for conflict it's yeah, and so dude, we're
1: not and it, it's funny like the the slogan make america great again got so much like shit just because of the guy behind it really and and a lot of outlets and, and whatnot, but like, we do like that. It, it, we're sending all this money overseas and all getting involved in all these like international affairs. And it's like, we have trains that are poison, you know, crashing and poisoning huge swaths of Ohio and, and different States. Like I keep seeing more and more about train derailments and crashes. And now we're factories blowing up. It's like, we, like you're saying, we need to focus at home. We need to make America great again. Like <laughs> within our borders before we start fucking off, you know, internationally everywhere and like get ourselves into a problem to where, Oh shit, we're in a war now. Fuck. We have two railroads down right now. that don't work or fuck. Our factories can't produce what we need to make guns or Jeeps to get, you know, Humvees and all this. It's like, we, we need to make sure that that shit is solid as a fucking rock and not just rely on our nuclear arsenal before we start pushing all these buttons.
0: Yeah, man. Agreed. A hundred percent agreed. And I like to think that I, I pay attention to things. Um, I, I can't see in any, in any, any way, any way at all that our current leadership from a, from a federal level is competent in the least. Nothing has shown me that, but they're not reporting like on nothing. They're not reporting on that
1: at all. Frank, I know it's not news that these outlets slant, but like, if this was Trump right now, getting us into all this shit. And all, all, like he would be getting drugged through the fucking mud. And you don't hear any, you hear very little like doubt in this administration or, you know, very much like pushback on them, which is just nuts. Cause we look like
0: fools right now. I don't know. Do you remember that, that, uh, I think it was the, that, that, that shooting that happened in, um, Tennessee? And they were asking the first time they had the chance to ask Biden about it. He said, I'm only down here because I heard they had ice cream in the freezer. It was literally his response. What? And he was making a joke, but it's like not a good joke. Like, like, where, where, where do we, where, how, how, how much, how, how big do our blinders have to be to where we're like, yeah, this is, this is okay. We're good. Things are fine as long as Trump's not there. This is good. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know, man. I it's just brutal. It's just so brutal to watch because you're watching real time and you feel helpless. You feel like you can't do anything. I feel like I'm watching this great country that I just, by pure luck and happenstance, happen to be born into just crumble, just right before my eyes. Just, yeah. just completely fall. It's really, it's really, it's really, really sucks, man. Um, It really sucks. Uh, you know what else sucks? I, speaking about Excuse me. Um I think we started talking this conversation about uh that that leak that happened. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> so in I the White us. House. <laughs> um so the United States is saying they're downplaying it, obviously. Nothing to see here. You, you uh, that's that's a posture you would take. A Wall Street Journal uh reporter got detained in Russia last week. you heard about this? I did, yeah. Okay. I think it's interesting, because this guy gets detained and Russia detains him on grounds of espionage. right? He's a spy. That's what they're saying. They use that a lot to detain people, that just slap espionage on it and say, "This is why we're detaining him. We found out he's a spy, this that and the other." The United States and The Wall Street Journal obviously are denying it vehemently. However, you wouldn't say it was true if it was true. Would yeah. you? No. No. yeah fuckers. You got us. Yeah. You got us. Give him back. You know, like what the like what are you gonna say? No, he's not a spy. He's not a spy. Give him back. He's not a spy. Uh I'm not saying he is. I don't know anybody anything about this guy. I'm just saying. What if he is? Then what do you do?
1: Possible. Yeah.
0: Then what do you do? Uh apparently they have a big haul that they're trying to give to Russia for this guy. And for Paul Whelan. Paul Whelan is the guy that we forgot about in Russia when we uh brought back Brittany Griner, But he uh I guess it's commonplace to allow for the consulate of your country. So the U S embassy in Russia to make a visit to somebody who's detained like this and they haven't been able to, Um, but they're not budging Russia. And so it looks like this guy is going to stay here for a little while longer. I don't know many details about the case. I just, I I, I thought it was uh, worth pointing out. Um, And like, we'll never know. I mean, maybe maybe down the lo- down the road we'll know, but we'll never know. Yeah, this guy very well might be a spy, and he got caught, and now he's fucked. <laughs> oh, real quick, Well, sorry, one more thing on that um, on that leak. This is from uh, Sager and, J- and Jetty um, f- from uh, the ho- one of the one of the hosts of Breaking Points. He read through the leaked documents, and these were his findings. Number one, Russia, U.S., and Ukraine are all lying about how the war is going including casualty figures, ammo shortages, war progress, et cetera. The situation for Ukraine is a lot more dire than Ukraine or the Pentagon lets on. Two, to the extent to which the US is basically running all operations for Ukraine cannot be understated, including battle damage assessments, ammo deliverables, logistics, et cetera. So it's, it's a proxy war. The U.S. is actively cooking up plots to force South Korea and Israel to violate their own internal policy and provide Ukraine with lethal weapons. This includes spying on both countries and using that info to pressure them. The penetration that U.S. has into the highest levels of government in the allied countries like South Korea and Hungary is astonishing. Intel assessments include direct quotes from high-level officials during sensitive deliberations. Um, that's not like a surprise, but it is surprising to hear that because it's official, right? This stuff's supposed to be, SPN's supposed to be secret, and it's not. Um, so anyway, that is the information on that. Uh, let's switch gears for a second. Yeah. How do you know if you're addicted to weed? Ask myself this a good question, far right? too often. Yeah, oh yeah. It's a good question because I, I, for a long time, the, the theory was that weed is not you can't get addicted to weed, right? Um, and the New York Times has an article about it. Smoking weed has always been a social activity for Julian. He first tried cannabis in high school and as an adult he would smoke a couple times a month with friends, but things changed after he moved to a new city where he didn't know anyone. Julian, who asked to not know uh, who asked to not use his last name when talking about a sensitive medical condition, didn't have much of a social life, so he started smoking by himself to pass the time excuse me, weed became my friend. He said, I would get off work and I would smoke because I was bored. Soon Julian's life began to revolve around cannabis. Smoking never interfered with his work, but it stopped him from doing just about everything else. Typically, when you move to a new city, you establish new relationships and I was doing none of that. He said, I was living almost like a recluse. I have an identical story to uh, Mr. Julian. When I moved from Ohio to San Jose, Uh, I started a new job. I was working remote in a new city where I didn't know anybody and I didn't have any coworkers. I had, for the first time in my life, I had no means to organically make friends. I had to actually go and do that. And then I also figured out that San Jose had legal marijuana dispensaries. And so I decided to check that out. And just like Julian, weed became my friend, man. It sucked. It sucked. I had no friends. I had nothing. I had no companionship. I was just getting high all the time. But like him, like it never interfered with my work. I never got high in the middle of the day. I never smoked weed during work hours. Between midnight or so and five PM the next day, I was just doing my regular thing. And then I would get off work and then I would just go get high by myself, take a nice long two hour walk in my neighborhood alone. And it was awful. It was terrible. So I'll read on. Uh, It was only through talking to a friend that Julian realized he might have a problem. He had thought it was impossible to become addicted to weed, but then he looked up the definition of cannabis use disorder, and he realized he met almost all of the criteria. Despite the common misconception, people can become addicted to cannabis, just as they can with other drugs, like alcohol and cocaine. As more states either decriminalize or legalize cannabis, more people are using it excuse me, more people are using it using it than ever before. According to the National Survey on Drug Use and Health, in 2021, approximately 19% of Americans, 12 and older, used cannabis, and nearly 6% of teens and adults qualified as having cannabis use disorder, the clinical name for addiction. Quote, most people who use cannabis do not have problems related to their use and are not going to develop cannabis use disorder, said Dr. Ayanna Jordan, an associate professor of psychiatry at NYU. But- just because cannabis is being legalized, and I actually think it should be legalized, it doesn't mean that there are there is not any harm associated. I think we've had a similar discussion on the show before. Um, so I think it's interesting to bring this up because again, before when there was a push to get marijuana legalized, it was it was the common misconception that you could get addicted and then it would lead to heroin and all kinds of other bad drugs. yeah um, but now, through years of data plus personal experience, I can say without a shadow of a doubt, it is absolutely um, something you can get addicted to.
1: Yeah. The thing you always hear about is it's a mental addiction more than like a physical one. And I, I think I agree with that. Cause like if, if you, if you're a crack addict or a meth addict then you go off of that, like you physically, your body is, is like, what the fuck is going on? It's in shock. And like, that that addiction, like that, whatever it's used to, that baseline isn't there anymore, and, and it freaks out. That doesn't happen with weed. Like if you stop smoking weed, it's just like whatever most of the time. I would say, but the mental addiction for sure. Like I mean, man, I I can't I can't agree with that en- more. I, I would say a physical addiction is much more dangerous, but that doesn't mean you should take the mental one lightly. Um, but I, I mean, I, dude, I say this as a very habitual weed smoker, like. I feel personally attacked by you even bringing this up. To be honest, with you. <laughs> but no, I, dude, I mean, I, I use weed. I'll be the first person to say I use weed uh, every day, probably multiple times a day, and and it's it's a, I, dude, I don't know, it's it's like my therapy or something, man. Like people take these all these drugs, antidepressants, whatever, to balance their brain chemistry and all this other shit, and I just don't fuck with that. Like I don't trust it. I've seen that go really bad for people in my life, and. I've seen it go well as well. I'm not trying to discredit it. but for I just don't think it's for me. So like weed has always been like a natural option in my head to like to face that or to 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 fight anxiety or depression or anything like that. and it it works for me. Like I, I have kind of self-diagnosed that, I guess. but um I, I think that there's wonderful, wonderful benefits of it. There's definitely definitely drawbacks, especially depending on the kind of strain you're smoking. You know, if you're smoking, Uh, really strains that are going to just make you lazy and do nothing like that's not productive. That's not really helpful unless you're really just trying to focus on like pain management or something. But you give me a good sativa, man. In the beginning of the day or early morning joint, you know, a little bit of coffee, like I'm golden for the day. I'm in a great mood. I'm cranking shit out. But dude, there's days I'm, I'm not ashamed to admit it. If if I don't smoke, uh, I'm an asshole, bro. I'm a dickhead. Mm -hmm. You ask Sarah, man, like it's, it's, I don't want to say it's like a problem, but like it's it is definitely something that I've realized that like it affects me, and I I think that's like a, a part of that mental addiction because I'm not like shaking, I'm not aching, and like sweating, and like, uh, like that is not present ever right. in me. But there is a change in personality for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean having having done it, I, I would say that giving up marijuana is not terribly difficult. I would say if you drink coffee every day it would be way harder to give up coffee every day than it would be than if you used marijuana every day. I think I could be wrong on that. Um, Yeah. yeah. But again, just the idea, the idea of, of addiction I think is not great. Right. You said, sure. you said like, ah, eh, maybe it's not a problem. Like, yeah, of course it's not a problem. It's not, you know, it's not causing, failure of your work or your duties as a parent or a husband right like it's just your attitude's a little bit off and if you consume this substance your attitude changes a little bit I
1: think it's like an anxiety thing in my specific condition okay you know what I'm saying okay. Like, I don't I'm not like oh my god what's going like I don't have it severe yeah. but like it it just eases me it just puts me at ease I don't like I I don't want to say I have a temper but like I'm not a patient person. And yeah, the the influence I'm, of that makes me more. I guess.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm. I'm. You know, I'm kind of torn on all this because I, I. On one hand, again, I agree that the legalization of weed, is on the whole a good thing. I still believe that.
1: Not for the youth, though.
0: Definitely not for the youth, but it never was. Anyways. Yeah. Right. Right. So I, Yeah, I mean, for consenting adults, yes, I, I think it's good that it's legalized. It's good that it's not a crime. Put it that way. Um, but I, but again, like I'm reading this and there's obvious signs of addiction and you could paint it with a pretty color, but at the end of the day, it's still, a, it's still an addiction. It's still yeah. something that, yeah. and you're, you're addicted to a substance that alters your mind. Th- putting it in that perspective, it it really turns me off to it. And it really gives me pause. I'm like, fuck. Like, is it, do I rethink this completely? How do you approach
1: something like drinking though? Because I mean, what do you classify as like a alcoholic problem? You know, like at what point is that addiction?
0: I drink every day. Yeah. But like it affects you. And I'm not getting hammered every day. Right, right. I have a glass of wine or last night I had a a small glass of whiskey, Mm -hmm. but it's like every day and that's a problem, but it's so easy to be, to use alcohol as a crutch because it's such a familiar drug. Right. Also, I think alcohol has a less a less severe or less heavy effect on you, on your brain.
1: In small doses. With
0: weed. Yeah, correct. Like even if you get hammered, right? Like you're just a really loose asshole of yourself, shell of yourself. With weed, it like alters your brain, your thinking and everything, your 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 whole I'm not saying we uh uh alcohol. it just affects you differently yeah, I, yeah. I, I guess and you do it socially whereas like you you do weed socially but also that could have an effect on how you act socially and alcohol is like True. the the quintessential icebreaker <laughs> yeah, right. of a of drug right? Right, right um so yeah i mean how do, how do you approach alcohol the same exact way i think the same exact way they're both they're both like Almost have like, I don't want to say zero, but like very little beneficial qualities in the long run. I think alcohol more so, is it literally kills your brain cells? Like it deteriorates you from the inside out with regular usage. I don't know that weed does that. Maybe it does. I don't know. But, but I mean, But, yeah. but it's bad for your lungs. Does. Like it, yeah, yeah. I think
1: alcohol is and, worse and for your body, but long term. But there was just it's bad too.
0: It is. Yeah. I mean, none of, none of it's great. There was just a, a study that came out and I, I'm only speaking on like the title of it. I haven't, I haven't even read it, but it basically was like, Hey, remember all those old studies that we had about wine that said that like a glass a day is good for your heart. Yeah. That was all horseshit. Really? <laughs> like it's all bullshit. Wow. Yeah. Like <laughs> none of it's good for you. It's, it's all detrimental. Yeah. Everything in moderation, but like heavy usage of alcohol is just as bad as any other heavy usage of any other drug. Um, so yeah, man, I don't know. Like my mind is changing on this and I and I want to like be very cautious that I don't turn into like this get off my lawn, old man, go get a haircut, hippie, you know, that kind of guy. I don't want to be that guy and I want to have an open mind about it. But at the same time, it's like, oh, this isn't, there's a lot of stuff coming. That's, you know, we were talking about last week, the cognitive distance. I'm on a path and there's a lot of information that's coming trying to knock me off that path. Say, hey, maybe you're wrong. Maybe you're wrong. And I'm like, ah, eh, shut the fuck up. <laughs> you know, um, and, and I don't know, it, it just, it's with, with weed, it's just continually to hit me at, at, at all angles that this, this might need to be rethought a little bit, just a little bit. Yeah. No, I, I, it crosses my mind here and there
1: too. And my wife is not, uh, a big fan of like the smell of it. So like that is always like mm. a, but I, you know, I'm trying to think of ways to adapt going forward, maybe more edible focused, you know, and, and more like a microdose. Like if I, if I could mm-hmm. take, you know, a five milligram edible in the morning and still not, you know, still see like my normal mellow effects and everything like that. Like maybe that's better than smoking a bowl twice a day or whatever, but man, it's tough. It's tough. It's hard to like take a look at yourself, especially with like things that you've done for so long or become so reliant on and to like, like something that, and something that's been like in a, a positive focus in your mind for so long and like, start to question that and, and push back on yeah. that. And that's like natural, I think, just like as people get older, have families become like real adults. But man, it's hard for me to imagine a day that I'm not going to be a little high. <laughs> it's, 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 I'm like, I sound like a drug addict saying it, I guess. But,
0: ugh. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like, no, no judgment. If that's what you do. And you're handling your business. By all means. Do, do what you got to do. But if you're out there and you feel like this is a detriment to you, it just might be. Actually, I saw a billboard. right, There's one right by my house um, where it was like, have anxiety, marijuana might have the opposite effect. And it's like an organization, like a nonprofit organization that's trying to get people off of marijuana for anxiety. Um, it's it,
1: very interesting. I think it affects everyone differently. Because, yes, there's definitely people I know that freak the fuck out when they smoke, bro.
0: Right. Yeah, right. yeah for sure. Yeah. Um, all right. Um, it's been a lot of weed talk for the last two weeks, uh, <laughs> or drug talk. Yeah. Um, okay. There is an interesting story out of Texas. There's all kinds of interesting stories out of Texas. One of them involves, uh, a gentleman by the name of Daniel Perry. Do you know who this guy is? Unfamiliar. Well, first of all, hold on. Let me pay this off really quick. The story that we talked about a couple of weeks ago about that guy that posted a meme mm-hmm. about voting Yep. via text for Hillary Clinton in 2016. He got persecuted and just got convicted of, I don't know what the fuck he got invicted, convicted for. Like election interference? Wasn't that
1: what they were trying to get him for?
0: Maybe it was election interference. Um, but anyway, he put a meme up of uh, Hillary. It was, like, it was like, skip the line, vote for Hillary by texting this number. And... I think we rightly said that if that is the way that you chose to vote, then your vote shouldn't count anyways. That should be the end of the story. This is from the Department of Justice themselves. Douglas Mackey, also known as Ricky Vaughn, was convicted today by a federal jury of Brooklyn of the charge of conspiracy against rights. Stemming from his scheme to deprive individuals of their constitutional right to vote, the verdict followed a one-week trial before the United States District Judge Ann M. Donnelly when sentenced. Mackie faces a maximum of 10 years in prison. That shit is wild. That shit is wild. Tell me. Tell me. Give me the case. I'll listen. Tell me why this is not politically motivated. (laughs) Yeah. And I'll listen. Tell me why it isn't, and I will listen. And if you can give me a convincing argument, I'm willing to change my mind. I'm open to it. But the way I see this right here, this is political persecution.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm dude, you know, I love to play devil's advocate,
0: but I got nothing for that. I can't, like, I can't (laughs) think of anything, man. It fucking blows my mind. Yeah, It's scary. It was a meme. It was a meme. It was a meme. I just can't help but think that if it was
1: like role reversal, you you would hear nothing of it ever. That person would be applauded.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Right. Way to take votes away from Trump. Way to do it. Yeah. Applause. Anyways, um, there's another interesting case, and this is in Texas. Daniel Perry was convicted of, uh, I believe, murder. Yeah, convicted of murder for the killing of a man in July of 2020. Uh, This was during um, the wave of BLM protests across the country. Um, Perry... An army sergeant who was working as an Uber driver drove up to some protesters, according to police. Amid a confrontation with the group, he opened fire on Garrett Foster, a 28-year-old Air Force veteran who was openly carrying an AK-47 rifle. Which is legal in Texas. Mr. Perry told police he believed the rifle was aimed at him. His lawyers argued that the killing was in self-defense. A jury last week convicted Mr. Perry of m- uh, murder after seeing evidence that included social media and text messages Perry wrote suggesting violence against protesters, according to local media. The messages included, quote, I might have to kill a few people on my way to work. They are riding outside my apartment complex. And another one saying, quote, I might go to Dallas to shoot looters. It's not a good look. Not a good look. It's not a good look. So putting those messages aside, right? Here's what the evidence showed. The evidence showed that he was driving as an Uber driver, came up, some protesters were illegally blockading a street. Okay. He came up, there was a guy holding an AK-47. This guy, uh, Daniel Perry, also had a gun in his car. The guy holding the AK-47 had been approached by police earlier. And they said, you can wear that firearm. And nobody can stop you from wearing that firearm. But I will tell you that if anybody knows what they're doing with a firearm and they see the way that you're holding it and the way you're using it and the way you're behaving with it, they will take it as an offense and they will defend themselves. So be careful with how you use this weapon. Which is also legal in Texas, right? It's a standard ground state. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. So um, the story goes that this guy was driving through this crowd This crowd swarmed on his car. They surrounded him. He began to get really anxious and nervous. And he saw this guy with an AK-47 and he saw the way he was handling it and he feared for his life and he opened fire. Now, I think the only reason that he got convicted was because of the messages that he put out. He said he might have to kill somebody and then later that day he did. That is not great. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. No, my question is, is that enough to convict somebody? Is that enough to prove intent? Or... In that situation, is that enough to where you fear for your life, and you are justified in standing your ground, regardless of the messages that you sent that day? And can you prove that this guy went out there to do what he did? Doesn't I mean, dude? As a as a attorney, you got to be able to make
1: the offense that that shows premeditation, like it was in your mind thinking I'm going to have to shoot. I might have to kill somebody today. Do you think it did, I, dude? I, I could see how that argument could be made. Yeah, I mean, if if you're going into that hostile environment thinking i'm gonna have, maybe have to kill somebody right now like your 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 guard is up your your senses are heightened and you're more sensitive to pulling that trigger quicker i would think like I, I don't understand as an uber driver if you all this shit's going on fucking don't drive there you know especially if you're sending messages like this that to me that shows like a little bit of he knew it was a very realistic thing and still said like fuck it i'm gonna go make 40 dollars driving for uber today you know Is that worth it?
0: I agree. I agree this could be, could have been avoided. I think just like that Kyle Kyle Rittenhouse trial. That's, yeah, I was thinking the exact same thing. You know, could you, could you make the argument and they did that he was acting in self-defense? Absolutely. Did he go down there because there was precedent for vandalism in buildings and that he was going to protect somebody's building from vandalism? Yes. But he put himself in that situation and the only way the only way to avoid killing somebody is to avoid putting yourself in the situation to kill somebody. Right? Like in the normal in normal circumstances, if you go and you're armed with a rifle, you're asking for something. Yeah. But
1: what I would say though, is if Rittenhouse got off in the, the, his, his uh, circumstances, I think are more egregious than what this guy did. Cause this guy Rittenhouse went there kind of confrontationally in the guise of being defensive, but like, in a mm-hmm. confrontational manner to do what he was doing. It sounds like this guy was just trying to work but like had in mind that shit's crazy I might have to pull a trigger today. So, but uh, to me Rittenhouse's is more but, like I don't want to say evil but like has more malintent to just the basis of what was going on.
0: Yeah, and, and but and like I think I think the the Kyle Rittenhouse case is pretty pretty like close open sh- open shut. Like regardless of what you think like if you look at the facts of what ha- what happened the laws, he yeah. absolutely acted in self-defense. He was being attacked. Mhm. Um, is it murder if you have murderous thoughts and then you defend yourself?
1: Yeah, right. In a state you know, like Texas, no, I think this guy will get off due to their laws. But
0: like, I'm I'm looking at my window right now and I see a, a post office truck sitting right outside my house. And if I was in here today and it hypothetically, allegedly said, "Man, I really want to fucking kill a postal office worker today," and I put it out there and I said. I might have to kill me a postal worker today. And then I walked outside and the postal worker came up to me and had a knife or came up to me and threatened me or said something. And I was, I had my kid on me or something and he threatened me and he wouldn't move out of the way and he was acting crazy. He was going, if you will, postal. And Ah. I said, I said to him, back up or I will shoot you. And he proceeded forward and I shot him. I had it in my head that day that I wanted to kill a postal worker. (laughs) I was presented with the opportunity to to kill a postal worker and I did it, Mm -hmm. but I didn't do it because I wanted to kill him. I did it because I was defending myself. See, like to me, that seems like self-defense. I seem like a unstable psychopath for putting it out there that I want to kill a postal worker. But when presented with the opportunity, I didn't immediately just go up and, Shoot him in the head, right? For the sake of doing that, I was I w- I waited until I was provoked and then I acted on that.
1: Yeah, it's like almost like premeditated murder in the guise of self-defense. You know? Yeah. You know yeah. Like that's so tough in Texas. It is tough. He gets away with it. He gets away with it for sure.
0: Well, he just might. So he got convicted with convicted of murder. Um, but the governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, said that as soon as this case hits his desk for a pardon, he will pardon him.
1: Wow! Wow! Yeah,
0: yeah, it's Texas. I, I, so they're appealing it. Yeah, um, yeah, man. I don't like. I don't know. Like get, but again, like, like, was this politically motivated? Mm, if that was a maga, if that was a, like, if we put it in that situation. If there was a Trump rally, and this guy gets surrounded, in his car by a bunch of, Riley old Trump supporters, and he's like, "I'm on your side. I'm on your side." And they they still didn't listen to him. Does he shoot? Does he pull the trigger? Yeah. Right. Was the guy he killed black? Do
1: you know, or a minority? Yeah,
0: he was white. Not a hate crime. That's good. <laughs> but then again, also on the other end of that, if you're a protester and you're wearing an AK-47, what are you doing that for? Right, 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 right. What are you doing that for? Yeah, you have you have every right to do it. Nobody's saying you can't. But like, what are you doing that for? <laughs> why do you have a Why do you got an AK out? Yeah. You know.
1: Yeah. Mm. I don't know man oh. it's it's a it's a sticky wicket. someone have you believe that if we just outlawed all guns that none of this would ever happen
0: um, I would like to invite them to visit the southernmost portion of the city of Chicago <laughs> <laughs> or west where far the, west where the gun laws are as strict as they could possibly be and then you let me know how that will work mm-hmm. out. yeah that's see okay so that's my that's my issue with all of this stuff it's like yeah you want You believe that the legislation around guns will work. Do you have an avenue? Do you know what that would take? Do you understand what would have to happen in order for that to occur? Right. And if you don't, and you're just screaming at it, we have to do something. Well, thank you for your contribution, but please exit stage left. You bring absolutely no value to this conversation because the fact of the matter is that you can't, do anything about gun laws. You can't do anything about it. Do you know how hard it is to change the constitution? Even if you didn't want to change the constitution, even if you wanted to get your constituents on board with some sort of what's being called common sense gun laws, even if you were like, "Eh, you know what? We really don't need assault rifles. You know, who's going to be on board with that? Absolutely. Nobody. Do you want to know why? Because cities aren't safe anymore. So if you're telling this person that you need to give up your weapon In order to ease the minds of the general American people, you're going to be like, "Well, my mind is not at ease, motherfucker." Yeah, because I live in Philadelphia and I'm seeing people getting shot on the corner left and right. Right, and for no
1: reason. What do you do in that situation for like police officers? Can are they the exception to that rule? Could they still have assault rifles? You know, like. And there you go. Totally banned. There you go.
0: Who can and who's sponsored by the state that can hold these weapons? And who's going to use that authority over me? And you, 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 that, it, that's like our last saving grace as a free people is the ability to defend ourselves. Nobody's going to give that up. I don't disagree. Yeah. You can blame the NRA. The NRA has nothing to do with this. They're such a small player. It's like ridiculous. It's that, that argument that is invoked is so dumb. They, they They make contributions of no significance to the political landscape. It's nothing to do with the NRA. It has nothing to do with people's strongholds over the NRA and donations. It has everything to do with politicians and their constituents and their constituents do not want gun control. They don't want it because at the end of the day, all you got is yourself. That's the best way to protect yourself. Right. If you can figure out a better way, if you can invest more in policing, if you can invest more in smart, competent policing. If you can make the general public feel more safe about walking down the street, then you might have a chance. But until we get there, it's, it's the people's right and they are not going to give it up. So that is where we need to, that is the foundation of the argument and where it needs to start from.
1: What about like a social program where everyone gets free jujitsu lessons?
0: <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. Why not?
1: I, mean, I, have, I have no reason study. why not.
0: Yeah. I have no reason why <sighs> not. You want to learn karate? Here you go. Here's a voucher for free.
1: <laughs> Dojos across the country would be thrilled.
0: Do it. (laughs) Do it because more people would learn self-control and a whole heck of a lot of people would, would be willing to go out and, you know, bring an AK 47 with them because they're too much of a pussy to learn a fight. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh baby. Hey, I
1: got one more thing real quick. We were talking show suggestions earlier and I forgot to mention this, but I just, I started from a recommendation from a friend watching this show on HBO called search party. You ever heard of? Okay. Nope. Somehow I didn't hear about it either. There's like six seasons out of it. Uh, it's nice because they're like twenty-three minute episodes, quick digest- digestible, digestible. I don't know how to talk, but uh, the main character is maybe from Arrested Development. You know that girl, nice. And it's it's like a comedy show, but it's like uh, it's it, it gets, it's just crazy. It's one of those shows where like things just keep snowballing and going nuts and wild and like keep fucking up kind of a thing. But
0: yeah, good show, fun show. I highly recommend. Search party. Check her out. Cool. All right, man. Uh, You can find us on Instagram at Friendship NewsHour, TikTok at Friendship NewsHour, on Twitter at NH, and you can send us an email, bummerdude.media at gmail.com, bummerdude.media at gmail.com. Have fun in Anaheim. Yes, sir. Say hi to Mickey
1: for me. (laughs) I'll see you in a few
0: short days, my friend. See you.